Um, so we're going to pick up James 4. And is anyone else really enjoying this series? I'm loving it. What I like about James is he's, he's incredibly practical, and I kind of like that. Um, I don't like to get too like, overly intelligent or all doctrinal. Like, it's all good and important, but like, what does that mean for us? But to read James, I'm like, I like James. I could hang out with James. I could do coffee with James. So we're going to go to James chapter 4. I think we're going to have it on the screen, maybe. And it, we'll just read through it, and then we'll have a wee chat. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says without reason that he, is, that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell on us, but he gives us more grace? This is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves to God. Um, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you who are... To judge, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a, a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what to, will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it, as it is, you boast in your own, your own arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, to him it is a sin. Um, there's a lot in there, so we'll, I'll not go through every verse because that would take longer than a short time. Um, but I kind of was asking myself, who, who was James and what position and what place did he have to, to speak or to write this letter? And... I'm fairly confident that James that wrote this was like the brother of Jesus, and it, like the book of James was was written in and around 50 A.D. So it wasn't long after Jesus went away, and it was just in and around the time that uh, that Nero was the, the the emperor in Rome. And if you know much about Nero, he wasn't the most pleasant of chaps, and it wasn't a good time to be a Christian. But in the middle of that, there people Jesus had left, and. The, the Christians and some of the disciples had maybe they'd had to be mountain top experience and things were going well and then they kind of walked away and they got a bit maybe a bit complacent and they, they forgot to do the things some of the things that, that their Christian duties and this is what James was it was like a rebuke to the to the church that they were neglecting their their basic Christian duties which is why it's so so practical and as you, as you read through James um, I was looking at some of the words and looking at what they meant and. and on Google, and then in, in Greek, and a lot of the words that are used, they're verbs, which 
if there's any teachers, is a verb a doing, a doing word? Yes. I did learn something at school. My teacher would be so proud. And, but it's doing words, and what do we keep on hearing throughout this passage? And what's the, the, key, the key verse in James? You know, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. Don't just hear it, but, but do it. And this is what, what James is encouraging the church and encouraging us today, like just to remind ourselves that we're, we're to do the things, not just hear about it and not just hang about and come in and get a nice big donut, but, but hear the message and take it with us. Because we are carriers of God's presence. We are carriers of the, of the kingdom of God. And there's, there's a world out there, you know, there's a whole town sitting a stone so from here and we're look, we can look over of people who are broken and lost and, and don't have any hope. And they're, they're just crying out for us to be there for them. They're crying out for people just to, to give them hope and to, to show a little bit of love. And a little bit of love goes a long, long way. Um, so verse 1 um, might be there. He's asking what is, what is causing these fights that they have because they're starting to take their eyes off Jesus. They're kind of getting caught up in everyday life. They're getting caught up in, in, in just things that are happening. And they're starting to fight. And they're starting to, to war amongst themselves. And that just comes, like, we all have that, that, that evil desire in us. And I, I would kind of think of that we, maybe it's a bit cheesy, but, you know, when we think of sin, what's the, the middle letter of sin? I didn't mean this to be an English lesson this morning, so um, you're getting a bonus one as well. But that's what happens. Whenever we put ourselves in, in first in life, whenever we put, make life about us, we get, we, we get caught up, and then we get a wee bit upset. It's like, oh, he didn't do this, or she didn't do that. It's like, oh, why, why? You know, I feel really upset. I'm really offended. Instead of being like, well, maybe they've got stuff going on. It's like, okay, God, what's going on here? What, what are you doing, or what are you saying? And I suppose you don't have to look too far to see... Um, in our world, where people are very caught up in, in not in themselves. I was in, uh, in London last Saturday and had the most horrific experience of my life, like genuinely. Um, I, didn't, I, was trying to, I was trying to be like, fit and walk instead of get the tube, and I ended up getting caught up in that, uh, that protest thing in central London, so like, they started, they were all over. But I, I was like, oh, I'll not go down that way, I'll go the long way around. And like, I, was, I ended up in this, like, I think it was down towards Whitehall, Parliament Square, and I, w- I turned the street and thought, oh, it can't be that bad. And I just looked, and the whole way down the road, there was people everywhere. Like, and I was standing, I'm like, I, can't, I couldn't move. And I, I started to get a bit panicky and a bit claustrophobic, and I was like, right, okay, breathe, 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 it's okay, it's okay, you're not going to die, you're not going to die. And I'm like, what happens if something goes wrong? What happens if there's like... A bomb. What happens if someone shouts free donuts and no one knows where they are, and people start getting panicky, and there's a stampede, and it was so so horrific. But in the middle of what was going on, you know, people people weren't nice people. They were, you know, they, they maybe felt that they were coming to protest for for a good cause, and maybe they they felt justified in what they were doing. But in the middle of of the protest, people had their own agenda, and people were being quite militant and not very nice. And it was quite a scary place to be in. And I think that kind of, for me, it typifies where we are um, in life. That we do have our, we have a big agenda and then we have our own agenda. And we have to consider other people um, in, in those things. And not go to London whenever there's a, a protest about Brexit. <laughs> Top tip for today. Um, verse 2. Um, I think I like it the way it says in the, the I think it's the King James. Um, it says, we have not because we ask not. And... Then verse 3, it says that when, 
we, ask, we don't have because we ask amiss. It's because our priorities are a bit up the left that we are making things about us instead of asking, okay, God, what are you doing here? What is, what is your plan and your purpose? You know, why might my job be difficult? Why might I be going through a difficult period? Or, like, and as Leanne has beautifully articulated this morning, there's sometimes in the middle of our mess, in the middle of things, whenever we look to, we look to Jesus and we're like, what's going on here? There's some crazy thing called like the peace of God that comes upon us. And sometimes we don't understand why we go through what we go through. But God just gives us peace to, to be able to, to experience a journey. And we, we encounter him in, along the way. And like Leanne, I really feel for you, just, just going to go off, off the notes. Um, as you were speaking, God really, he gave me the, it's an old fashioned phrase, but you're a mother in Israel. And you're not just a... You're not just like called to be a mum to children that you birth, but you're a mum to other people. You carry like the, the spirit of a mother, and whether that be through your work, through befriending, and, and through family, you carry that there, and people will come to you, and you've experienced stuff that you've experienced because God is preparing you to be able to speak to other people, to, to, share, the, to share their pain and be like, you know what, it's okay. I've been there. I understand what it's like. So God's going to use you to, to, to be a mother to, to many people, not just a few. So just prepare yourself for that. And happy Mother's Day. <laughs> um, chapter 4, or verse 4, sorry. Um, James uses quite harsh words here. He says he calls them adulterous people. And then he says this idea that friendship with the world means enmity with God. And that just means, like, like hatred, you know, we can't. God, God doesn't want us to. I've kind of so I looked up this word, what the, the word friendship means, because I'm like, hang on, what do we can't be friends with the world? What are you saying here, God? So, do we just have a really holy huddle and sit in here in church and be like, oh, you're you're not a Christian, you can't be my friend. You don't come to my church, you can't be my friend. And I don't think that's what James is saying. The word for friendship um, comes from the word the Greek philia, which if you know like the the word for love. Um, it just means friendship or fondness. But what a sense God may be saying through this is if we let our friendships outside of, of the kingdom and outside of Jesus dominate and dictate to us who we are and dictate our values and take us away from our core values as Christians, that's going to become a problem and that's going to be, be, be a dangerous place. We need to be mindful that the people that we, that are in our lives, that they're not influencing us in a, in a negative way or in a bad way, but they're, they're pointing us to, to be a better version of us, pointing us to the life in Jesus and to, to, to being better people. Because it's good to have friends. I like having friends. I think I've got about four at the minute, on, if I can remember. So I'm really, I'm really happy with that. Gives them one for each finger. Um, but we need to be mindful that the people in our lives aren't going to take us away and detract from what God wants to do. And I think verse 6 here is probably one that most of us will know. Probably, it may be highlighted in some of your Bibles, if we have Bibles, or it may be highlighted in your, in your Bible app. And I want to go to, I want to look at a different passage just to explain a little bit about what, how this works. Um, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. First um, Samuel chapter 17 is probably a story that most of us know. And if you don't, you've missed out, because it was a great Sunday school story. But more importantly, it's a great life story for us. 
Um, and it's the story of David and Goliath. But it's the part, I just want to focus on a few verses, 17, 33 to 40. I think I've lost Samuel in my Bible. It's deeply unfortunate. After, thanks, sir. After Genesis, thanks. So uh, verse 22 to 33 to 40. Sorry, 33 to 40. And I might just quickly read it. Um, so set the scene. Philistines, Israelites fighting. Goliath, big, strong, tall fella. He's looking for a fight. All the, all the, the, the Israelite army, they're scared of him because he's too big. And then Tuesday is left. David walks in. David, shepherd, looked after sheep, sheep, giants, slightly, slightly different uh, obstacles. But while looking after the sheep, he killed bears and lions, so David was pretty good. He could handle himself. Um, so it's 33. Saul replied, you're not able to, to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a, a young man, and he's, he's being a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This circumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the Lord. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. And I think this is a key part for me. Um, 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put his coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over his tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go out in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he picked five smooth stones from the stream and put them in his pouch of the shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand and he approached the Philistines. And we know what happened next. He went out with a stone, he swung his weak sling, killed Goliath and cut his head off. But what, what I like about David is he didn't do what other people wanted him to do. Like the king, you know, you kind of should, maybe we should listen to the king, but, but David had a different king in his life. It wasn't just King Saul. David was all about King Jesus or King God back then because Jesus hadn't fully come, but same person, all good. And instead of bowing to the, the, the will of a king, which wouldn't have worked, he, couldn't, he physically couldn't wear the armor. He couldn't fight. He didn't have it in him. It was, like, really awkward. Like, he knew. He knew the skill set he had. He knew who he was. And because he, he, was, he, he, was, he could have thought, got a bit of an ego saying, this is my, this is my chance for the, for the big shot here. I could, I could make it into the big leagues here. He knew exactly what he needed to do to, to accomplish the tasks that God had given him. And he had been preparing for years to, in fighting and prepare, looking after his sheep, which then he ended up looking after the, the, the whole army, and he protected them. But he, he chose to, to resist the pride to be that person and submitted himself to say, Do you know what, this, it seems a bit far off. Like God's plan looks a bit different than what we're used to or, to or the way you might do it, but... God's got this. I think I trust him. He's looked after me before, and he's going to do it again. And I, I just, I, I really love the fact that, that David, he, he, didn't, he didn't want to wear someone else's armor. He, he, he resisted that, and then God raised him up. And then, if you read on the story, David then became king a lot of years later. So if you don't wear someone else's clothes, you might become king. Don't quote me on that, but that's what happened in the Bible. And you look at those, the words again, 
that word humble. Um, I looked it up in Greek, and it's, it just means to make low, to bring low. And uh, there's a difference. Um, this, being humble or being a, a humble person, it doesn't mean that we think less of ourselves, but we just think of ourselves less. And like, they're, they're two very... The, the two different things, and I'll say it again just to make sure we get it. It's not that we think less of ourselves, but we just think of ourselves less. And so we know who we are. We know who God's called us to be. We have our identity and in, in who Jesus says we are. But it doesn't mean we, we brag about it or we, we just throw it about. But we we just have a confidence and an assurance that, that who we are and who God says we are. And because of that, then we can then go and share share the, the God's love with other people. That's That's what gives us that heart to go after, to go and speak to the, the broken, the lost, the homeless, because it's like, do you know what? I, I, I've experienced love. I want to share that love with you. Not because I'm great, because, because God's great. And verse 7, there's a nasty, a nasty, nasty uh, word in here that I don't think any of us overly like. Um, and if you were sitting in some of your cars, you'd probably say you definitely don't like that word, the word Submit. I'm not going to mention which person who sits in, is sitting in here today um, was driving on the, in a car next to the car I was in a few weeks ago. And the car that I was driving in was doing the speed limit. And this person passed and was a little bit further ahead down the road. So that person didn't necessarily submit to the laws of the land for that day. But we'll forgive them for that because Diane's lovely. <laughs> no, no, I mean, um, Steve. No, we'll call him Steve. Let's call him Steve. But the word, the word submit means to, to accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority of another person. Again, that's us saying, I'm going to submit to God and his plan and purpose because he knows what he's doing. And we surrender our, our will and our, our lives to him. And it's really easy to submit whenever like, we like, we're like what we're being told. You know, whenever Paul's saying, you know what, you're amazing, you're wonderful, you're great, and I think, yeah, go for it, do it. You're like, oh, yeah, I love Paul. But whenever I come to Paul and be like, hey, what do you think of this? And it's like, no, I don't think you should. I think maybe you should wait. Slow down. You know, take a chill pill, relax. Let's just let God do that. And it's like, but, but Paul, I'm great. I'm wonderful. You said it yourself. That's whenever real submission happens, whenever, we're, whenever there's a bit of opposition, whenever it's difficult, whenever there's a bit of a, a challenge for us, whenever it causes us to be a little bit uncomfortable. So I think I would say you're only really fully submitted whenever you've been told no a few times or whenever it's, uh, it's, diff it's difficult. But I feel now I want to transition into the best part of the, yeah, my favorite verse probably. And I'm sure we'll all know it. Verse 8. Um... Come near to God, and he will come near to you. But again, I like the old-fashioned versions. Um, I like the, the King James, because it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. <laughs> and I think if, we, if, we, if this verse became our mantra for life, we'd be, we'd be doing well. We'd be doing very well. Um, we have, I feel, as a, as, as a people, as a generation, as a as the time we're living in, we've exchanged encountering God with, with entertainment. We want a wee quick fix. You know, instead of, instead of praying to God, we're, we're talking to a faceless audience. We're, maybe it's through a blog or on our social media. We're posting something. We're writing something. We're writing down our thoughts, and we just want to be heard. You know, I've got something to say. I, I want to be heard. And 
That's, it's good to be heard, and there's someone who wants to listen, and it's God. He wants to listen to us through prayer. And sometimes prayer is awkward, sometimes it's difficult, but as we've been, through our becoming series, we've been looking at different ways of reflecting on God and there's different kinds of prayer, and that's really a, that stuff to really lean into. And instead of worship, which um, worship is one of the, the greatest tools given to the, to the Christian, we're connecting with, uh, with our popular music. You know, possibly some people who know all the words to all the top trending songs on Spotify. I don't know. I can't think of any. Um, but when it comes to church and really the stuff that's really going to help us, you know, the songs that we resonate with, to be like, oh, do you know what that, that means? That's, that's brilliant. Like that, their song, what a beautiful name. The, the, the line that wrecks me every time is, you didn't want heaven without us, so you brought heaven down. Like, like Jesus came to earth because he didn't want to be, he didn't want to be on his own. Not that he was, because he had angels. But he wants to encounter us. He wants to spend time with us. And one of the ways we can do that is through worship. But maybe we're getting so distracted by the top trending songs on Spotify or Apple Music or other streaming services are available. And instead of studying the Bible, instead of getting into this, which is a tremendous book, we're getting lost in blogs, in, in magazines, on, on social media, with people saying like, random thoughts and good things. But it's... it's their thoughts. It's not necessarily maybe what, what God is. God is saying. I was listening to a talk by Lisa Turkhurst on during the week there, and she said I'm staggered by the fact that a number of people ask me, "What are your thoughts on, on this verse in the Bible?" It's like it doesn't really matter what my thoughts are on this verse in the Bible. The the Bible says it. Why do you care what I think? Uh, but like, she has so much confidence in in the Bible and in herself and an assurance in, in her identity that she can answer that strongly. You know, and instead of getting caught up in those arguments or discussions, you know, what does the Bible say on X, Y, and Z? It's like, well, just, just read it for yourself and find out. And then let's not get caught up in we, um, the pettiness. But let's not forget encountering God every day is so, so important. You know, God is looking for people who are going to passionately and intentionally seek him, to seek the kingdom, to see it come to pass in our lives, to see healing, salvation, deliverance, to see character change, to see Northern Ireland change, to see Ireland change, to see revival come back again where people, people are serious about God and, and maybe we'll have a little bit less of the, the guff that we see. You know, but what does our radical life look like for us? It's going to be different. What, I don't know who, don't know who it was, but some, some guy once said, you know, the world is yet to see what would happen if one person like completely give their life to Jesus, completely sold their life out, and and I went after everything that he had for them. So like, if we could, what, when he's here, like 100 and something, if we all did that, wouldn't that be amazing? Like we could, we could transform, transform our town, transform our nation, um, which is powerful. Just gonna skip on, because time is pressing. Um, verse nine. Um, Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Um, I remember a talk by a gentleman called Richard Hilton. It was the first talk I heard when I went to Bible college. And the phrase that he used haunts me to this day. So because it haunts me, I'm going to share it with you. And you can join me in being haunted by this phrase. And it's a good phrase. It's okay. It's not bad. But he just said, and when he said this, I switched. I was like, I'm done. I'm go- I can go home now. He said, you cannot be a victim and a victor at the same time. It's a choice that we make. You cannot be a victim and a victor at the same time. Does that mean that bad things aren't going to happen? 
Absolutely not. Of course, things are going to happen. But we can choose our response. We can choose to be like, okay, this has happened. There's a few bad things have happened. You know, the plan that I had, my five-year plan hasn't come to pass. That's okay. It's like, what's next? You know, pick yourself up and dust yourself off. Um, I'll quickly talk about the the best example I can think of that. And it's in Luke 15. Um, you can read it later if you so wish. And it's a story of the, the prodigal son. But it's, I don't want to look at the prodigal son or the, the faithful father. I want to look at the forgotten person in that story. And it's the other son. Um, so in the middle of all the story, whenever the son comes back, the prodigal son, and the father has a party, you have the other son who's like a wee bit upset, a wee bit offended, he's, he's getting angry. And the father, he, he, gets a, he has a party, he gives him his best clothes, he gets a fatted calf, and the other, the other son's like, but, but I've been with you the whole time, I didn't go anywhere. And hang on, I don't want to get the verse wrong. Um, so Luke 15... 22 to 32, if you so wish. Um, verse 31, he looks, so the father looks at this other son who I resonate with. I don't resonate with the, the prodigal son. I resonate with the other son. And he says this, my son, the father said, you're always with me and everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours who was dead is alive. He was lost and is now found. That other son, he was in the father's house, but he wasn't in the father's presence. He was, he, he was with his dad the whole time. He was with his father the whole time, and he didn't even see him. He didn't appreciate him. He didn't value the fact that he, he, he had the very presence of his father with him. And I feel that is, for me, sometimes in church, and maybe other people can resonate with that. I'm sometimes in the father's house. I come to church but I'm not getting into the Father's presence. I'm, I'm making excuses. You know, I'm just, oh, I'm tired. I just can't be annoyed, you know. I'm just, oh, life's too tough, life's too difficult. It's like, back to verse nine, Why dust yourself off and get into his presence. Because if the son, the, the other son had realized that he was in like, the Father's presence, he had the presence there, I dare say his, his attitude and his response would have been slightly different. Um, and because time is very short, I'm going to skip a little bit. Um, but the last, the last few verses, it talks about boasting about tomorrow. Um, the one thing we're not, we, we, that God can guarantee is, 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 our, is our now moments. And we need to take those now moments. We, 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 can't, we can't just say, you know what, we've got plenty of time. I'm still young. I'm, I've ju- I'm just retired. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my retirement. You know, I've, I've, I've worked hard, so I'll, I'll, I'll do it then. I'll do it later. We need to, to take our moments now because we don't know the, if, we, if our, what, what, we, we haven't got our tomorrow or our year tomorrow. We can't just assume that we're going to come back. Like the other week in work, I was chatting to a fella and he he's waiting to go in for radiotherapy. And I was like, oh, that's really sad. And then I walked away. And then we later on, I was like, I didn't even say to him, here, would you like me to pray for you? Or, you know, like, can I keep you covered in prayer? And I was like, oh, it was a wee bit a missed opportunity. So I didn't beat myself up, but I prayed for him anyway. But next time, next time I'm going to chat to him, I'll be like, just so you know, I'm praying for you. And like, would you like me to pray for you now? To take that opportunity, because who knows? He might say yes, pray for me, he might say no. Worst case scenario, he receives a little bit of the love of Jesus. 
But I, I missed that opportunity, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that because I might not see him next week. I might, I might, not, I might get fired this week. Who knows? He might get fired. I know. But take our opportunities because we don't know. We, we, we're, we're, tomorrow's not guaranteed, and life is indeed too short. And if we, if we take that approach of, of seizing the moment, of, of taking our opportunities, then we're not going to waste anything. We're not going to have wasteful lives. We'll not look back with regrets and be like, oh, I wish I'd have done that. I wish I'd have done more. And I feel that's what James, the heart of his message, his frustration was because he knew what, what the church had seen. He knew what the disciples were. He'd seen them at their best and maybe seen them wavering a little bit and just kind of getting complacent. And it was an encouragement to them. It's like, come on, guys, remember, God did things before. He'll do it again. Like, do you not remember the, the miracles that we've seen? So just remind ourselves this morning. Let's just keep our eyes on, on, on what Jesus is saying for us and, and keep on pressing in and, and be encouraged by, by what he speaks to us.